0: Salute! And greetings and welcome to Rewind of the Clock, the second edition. Yes, and today we have a very special guest. I'm not going to reveal it straight away. I'm going to let young Rachel introduce herself and what she does. So, oh. hand over to you.
1: <laughs> thank you very much and thank you for having me today. So, my name's Rachel and I'm the head of research for the Holocaust Memorial Day Trust.
0: And what does that uh, entail, if you don't mind me asking? I'm sure people would be interested.
1: (laughs) I don't mind you asking at all. Thank you. Um, So it's quite a varied role and I do a lot of research, as the name would suggest, (laughs) um, into various things such as the resources that the Holocaust Memorial Day Trust produces for organisations all around the country to support them to mark Holocaust Memorial Day which is on the 27th of January. And on that day, on or around that day, we encourage all sorts of organizations, schools, prisons, libraries, museums, cinemas, everybody to mark (laughs) the day. And we produce resources such as uh, lesson plans, assemblies, but also um, creative activities, um, cook-alongs we did last year, read-alongs, book club documents. Um, And me and my team do some of the research behind the content that goes into it. We don't just commemorate the Holocaust. We also commemorate Nazi persecution of other groups and subsequent genocides that took place in Cambodia, Rwanda, Bosnia and Darfur. So there's lots to uh, make sure that we have the right information about.
0: That's true. true. Yes, actually. So, you know, it says it's on the 27th of each year. Is that a specific date reason why the 27th?
1: So the 27th of January was chosen because that is the day that the largest Nazi concentration camp, extermination camp complex, the camp Auschwitz-Birkenau was liberated um, on the 27th of January. So that day was chosen and it has been that day um, since 2001. And we encourage people to commemorate and mark the Holocaust and subsequent genocides on that day, but we also recognise that you can't always do something on that day. So, if, for this example, if a church group was commemorating HMD, Holocaust Memorial Day, they might hold a sermon on the closest Sunday to Holocaust Memorial Day. right
0: right, that'll be interesting. And, um, so, did the Holocaust Memorial Day start 2001, the actual trust, or was it founded before then?
1: So the day itself was founded in 2001. Um, A group of countries, I think it was 46 different countries, met in Stockholm, and they all decided that they wanted to commit themselves to Holocaust education and commemoration. And um, I think it was Tony Blair that was at that meeting, and he came back and set up the first ever Holocaust Memorial Day. And originally, the day was run by the UK government, through the Home Office until oh. 2005. And then in 2005, they set us up, the Holocaust Memorial Day Trust. Um, and we are a charity and we've been running the Holocaust Memorial Day ever since 2005. Oh, wow.
0: Gosh. So obviously, last year it might have been a bit strange last year because of the COVID. How did they manage then? Did you like via different sorts of meetings, like via Zoom or.?
1: So. As for everybody, last year was very uh, challenging Um, (laughs) and we had to rethink how Holocaust Memorial Day could be commemorated, Mm. Um, as well as the activities that we encourage and support all around the country. We also organised the official UK ceremony to mark Holocaust Memorial Day. And until last year, it has always been invitation only, high profile guests, survivors, dignitaries. Last year, we did something a bit different it was almost an opportunity we held our ceremony but we live streamed it on our website so for the first time it was completely accessible and open to people all around the country and we were delighted that tens of thousands of people were able to watch that ceremony and then for the local activity organizers we still wanted to make sure that they were supported to put on an event and we had resources as we do every year (laughs) but we had slightly different resources so resources that people would be able to hold their holocaust memorial day event on zoom or yeah. on teams or on whichever <laughs> platform um, and we had all sorts of different resources as i mentioned we did we had a cook along so you know wow. if you were, had a community group you could all join on zoom and all bake holla traditional jewish bread and learn right. about the role that that Holla has played in the Jewish community and the impact that the Holocaust had on Jewish culture and things like that. And we provided all the resor- the resources, the recipe, uh, an ingredients wow. list to try and encourage mm. people to do it. Um, there were less activities last year. You know, In Holocaust Memorial Day 2020, there were 17,000 activities all around the country, which is incredible. You know 17,000 yes. activities taking place all around the country, different organizations. And there were less last year. And we know that it was COVID, it was a difficult time for people. Um, but we're hoping that, well, obviously we don't know what January 2022 is going to look like. True. But we're hoping that people will still carry on commemorating the day, possibly in person. And if not, we still have our virtual resources to to support people.
0: Well, that's good. Um, I was going to ask you something then. It threw myself then. Um, Sorry. It wasn't you. It was something you just said. And that threw me. how was it about schools and things. And um, so for schools, what kind of resources would you use, for example?
1: So we try and make it as easy as possible for anyone and everyone to mark Holocaust Memorial Day. We know that there are people who are very busy, teachers who are very busy, and so we give them a lesson plan. We give them an assembly. We give them um, instructions how to create a display about the Holocaust, to try and make it as easy as possible for somebody that maybe doesn't have much time or doesn't have much background knowledge to be Mm. able to empower them, to give them what they need. But we also recognise that there are some teachers that go above and beyond. You know, I think one school in 2020, one school marked Holocaust Memorial Day in over 200 lessons and assemblies and activities with all the different tutor groups and classes and subject matters. So we also make sure that we have enough resources for schools to do more. You know, they might start with one lesson and then they might realize that they could do a second lesson you know if you start with one lesson on the holocaust you could do another lesson on cambodia and a lesson on rwanda and so on and also we have lots of different resources so we've got the stories of people that survived Mm. and the stories of people who were murdered in genocide you can explore these in greater detail i do think that sometimes when we talk about the numbers it's hard to comprehend what six million people murdered, six million Jewish people murdered by the Nazis, what that looks like. But if we tell the story of one person, we can give that person a name and an identity and restore their identity back to them. And maybe it's more tangible for school pupils to understand. And then they could learn another life story and another. And So we also, as I said, we also have creative options. We have... For example, we have songs that people can learn, a school choir could learn, yes. to try and ensure that oh. every aspect is covered.
0: Mm. Because, um, like you said, when you're teaching about the Holocaust, it opens up so many doors as well, because it's not just these people, it's more than that, because it opens things like uh, writing, uh, artwork, even touching on religion. Do you know what I mean? It encompasses different aspects, doesn't it? Absolutely,
1: me. you're completely right. And that means there's so many ways that people can engage with the subject and dive in and learn more. We, The Trust, the Holocaust Memorial Day Trust, chooses a new theme each year. And we do that to inspire people that mark the day every single year to give them a new angle. But we also do it because we recognise that sometimes it's a way of bringing in a new crowd. Yeah. Uh, so this year's theme is one day. Mm-hmm. So for Holocaust Memorial Day 2022, we're asking to, people to consider one day. And you can explore that in all sorts of different ways, depending on where you're coming from. So it could be that you look at one day in history, what happened on that one day. Mm. It could be that you take one survivor's life story and look at one day in their experience, one day that everything changed for them. I mean, Mm. I also, we recognize that Holocaust Memorial Day itself is only one day, but it's a starting point. It's an opportunity. And maybe it's a way of thinking about one day in the future when we hope there won't be any more genocides.
0: Yes. Well, you think we've learned our lessons by now, but it doesn't seem to be working, does it? As in, people don't seem to want to listen. Um, what I thought was fascinating, one of the survivors, I'm not going to try to say it because I'll probably say her, wrong, her name wrong, is it a Big Nil, I thought I would say it right. No, it's I-B-Y and then it's L. I don't know if I would say that, but she did say about... Um, you didn't think about yesterday and tomorrow may not happen. It was only today that you had to cope with and you got through it as best you could. Which I thought was a great thing to say really because um, one of the things I actually wrote uh, from one of my exams called Never Again and um, we used some of the poetry and one of them was called about I Just Count the Bones because he forgot it was his birthday, he was, he's only 13. That was very poignant. Another guy, chap, wrote about how he used to love trains but now he doesn't anymore. And you just you get this feeling of Um, The way they were dehumanized and everything about it was like, oh, makes you think. You see what I mean? You think, how is this possible? How can it be done? And when you read children's poetry, it's remarkable what they write and how they're feeling. And that's very hard, isn't it? If you read any of their poetry, isn't it? The children.
1: You're completely right, and that's also why we try and use survivors' words, survivors' drawings, poetry, Mm. um, because they are the ones who experienced it. And, you know, I can't imagine what they went through. And we don't want people that are commemorating Holocaust, holiday, yeah. we don't want people to try and put themselves in their place. That's, you know, not a not, safe no. activity. But, you know, that's why we used Ibby's words exactly yeah. as you quoted, you know, and we try and connect them to the theme. And it, it's a starting point. And as you say, children's poetry, there's children 's poetry that was written in the uh, Theresienstadt ghetto yeah um, that 's very powerful, and then, as you said before, you know we 're not really learning. We look at Darfur, the genocide that started in two thousand and three in Sudan, mm. and there are some children 's drawings that have come out of that oh. that um, are incredibly powerful and it 's almost you can you can draw some sort of comparison between children mm. responding and this is how they Deal with what they're going through, and what we can look at those and learn from it.
0: Mm. It's like they grow overnight, don't they? So to speak, not a, they're not a child anymore. All of a, it's like just ripped away from, and like an adult straight away. It's like yes. life doesn't exist for me now. It existed now when I'm out. saying they survived. I can't remember if you said it now, but um, life stopped for him when he entered, but when he came out, it began again. That time between it doesn't exist. He lost his life there.
1: No. And for some children who, you know, the Second World War started in 1939. And when it ended in 1945, they lost their childhood. They mm. lost their education. They hadn't had a chance to go to school, you know. And then they had to rebuild their life, sometimes in a new country, learn a new language, sometimes with no family because they'd <laughs> all been murdered in the Holocaust. Mm. Um, and they'd lost their, exactly their childhood.
0: Yes. And the other thing as well is, it, I think it's important to remember, is when we are doing, like, remember... In the memorial and things, so it's so easy to fall into the trap of showing the most um, horrific pictures, isn't it? Gentlemen, you know I it's so easy. versus what I want to show, but it's like, you no, know, think of who you're looking at first, and you, why you're teaching and why you're talking about it. Choose
1: your content right, isn't it? you're look. completely right and that one of the things we have on our website is guidelines for teachers and for those who maybe haven't started with the subject matter before we don't recommend showing graphic images because you don't need to show graphic no. images <laughs> there's I mean the holocaust is graphic enough and you know, I think a lot of People sometimes consider showing images of Bergen-Belsen concentration yeah. camp after it was liberated with the piles of body. That's dehumanising to the victims, and exactly, we yeah. we don't feel you need to share those. Um, but I appreciate that you know sometimes it's hard and overwhelming to teach the Holocaust, and people don't necessarily know where to begin. Um, and that's why we try and provide images that are that we feel are appropriate and suitable, along with discussion of how best to use them.
0: Yes, that is true actually, because um, I don't remember, I sent you an email, I don't remember, I did, uh, for my final exam, I did a play called The Warsaw, uh, Battle of Warsaw Ghetto, and that was written a few months straight after it, and done by the Jewish American Association, I just wrote about one family, and how they survived, and you know, how they got through this, being attacked in that particular revolt, and it was fascinating, so what I did was to get the people more involved, even though it was a radio recording live, I give them all a, a yellow, um, like a scarf to wear, just to point them out that like you're all now different and felt like they were entering into something. Do you know what I mean? That was quite, uh, it worked quite well actually. But uh, <laughs> that's a by the by really. And um, so, like I said, the other thing you can use, isn't its is um I don't know if you ever use anything about the graphic novel or your theories on that with the Holocaust Memorial, because that's a bit touch as well, isn't it?
1: Do you mean as a genre broadly? Or? Yeah,
0: no, as a, a graphic novel, as in to the Holocaust. Yeah. So the, uh,
1: the most, the most, the one that is probably most well known is Mouse by Archie Bunker, yes. whose graphic novel is um, which is very good, very renowned. But there's also been other versions, other so for example, there's been a graphic novel version of Anne Frank's diary. Yes. Um, I, I don't, I love books. I yeah. like reading. I think there's nothing wrong with a graphic novel if it is appropriate and sensitive Mm. and it's sometimes it's a way of reaching readers that might not otherwise engage with the holocaust um there's all sorts of uh means out there you know i know that the national holocaust center um up in nottinghamshire have produced a rap video to try and engage people with the holocaust and sometimes i think we have to do different things Mm. to reach people that otherwise might maybe don't
0: come to Holocaust exactly. education and yeah exactly because I know in America they use the um, it it's volumes. It's called um, Magneto Testament from the X-Men who turns out he was a Holocaust survivor and each I've actually read it it's quite good but after each volume there's a lesson plan you can follow which is quite good
1: so I knew that about Magneto but I don't know that about that
0: book so I will have to have a look yeah. thank you for no, telling me I did read it yeah <laughs> it's really good actually but like I said there's lessons plans for each one which is uh, quite yeah and i've just bought myself a new book as well cuz it was called um the boy who drew outfits he's a survivor oh. as well that's a, a fairly newish book it's quite good actually another
1: one i've not heard of oh sorry it's the list. <laughs> it's called
0: the boy who drew outfits it's called Thank so you. um well, i think we are nearly done actually to be honest we have done quite a lot um mm. so if they wanted to get in touch with you to do uh, next january 27th how would they go about it
1: so please go on our website which is hmd.org.uk holocaust Memorial day hmd.org.uk there should be everything on the website that anyone needs to mark the day whatever sector whatever background whatever community organization they are want to mark the day with Mm. um We've got lots of things that will be useful, lots of resources, and we would just love to hear from you as to what you're doing. Please do let us know. Um, we've got lots of exciting things coming up. Um, so keep sign up to our newsletter to find out about different events that are coming up? Um, be the first to know about our new resources, which we're launching in September, so very soon. Um,
0: yes. Wow, look at that. And, uh, <laughs> thank you. Well, well done, Rachel. Thank you so much for joining and participating. And it's very informative. Thank you so much for joining us. Much Thank appreciated. You for having me today. No, I'm glad to finally meet you as well. sought <laughs> you for a while, or was it last year, two years via email? It's nice to see
1: you. So, it's, it's very nice <laughs> to see you too.